Hello, everybody. Welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don, as usual. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about, I don't know, kind of this and that. I think a lot of the books that we've been reading lately and TV shows and that kind of stuff. Um, and this is going to be a public episode, isn't it, Don? Yeah, I guess so. Yep. Yeah, so we're trying to get back into the habit of publishing these episodes on the public feed. We've been keeping up our output on the Patreon feed and I've been doing some stuff about Muslim history and Don has been doing stuff about economics and various things like that here and there. So if you absolutely need your you can't win content every week, that would be the place to go. But we do intend on ramping this up. Um, just been health issues and various things have kind of kept us away from this. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, anyway, without further ado, uh, I guess I will talk about some of the stuff I've been reading this month. I feel like I'm slowing down a little bit these days, but I have been reading up a storm. So uh, I guess one of the more notable things that I read earlier was the Confessions of Young Torlis. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's got two dots over the O. Um, that's by Robert Musil. That was Robert Musil's first book. And um, it's sort of like a it's pseudo-autobiographical, I think. Uh, it's about these kids like high school age or so that are in a like a military boarding school in Austria. Mm -hmm. uh, it was published in 1906 and it's basically set around that time. And it's pretty interesting. It kind of what happens is there's like a group of these friends. Um, the narrator is, is one of them and they start to kind of like pick on one of their, you know, one of the people in this group, one of the kids. And he ends up being like the, like the, the whipping boy, you know, like everyone just kind of picks on him. Everyone starts to abuse him more and more. And it go, gets really extreme towards the end. And each of the different friends in the group sort of has like their own, uh, like approach to how they abuse this kid. So, uh, one of them is very brutish and tries to just like physically dominate him. The narrator is more like psychological. And it's kind of interesting because you can kind of see that these people are, they're sort of using him and exploiting him for their own like growth, you know, or their own, like they're kind of creating their identity and their self-image and stuff by, by abusing this person. Mm -hmm. And even the, the victim of the abuse doesn't really push back too much. Like he is sort of uh, coming into his own at the same time. So it it's, you know, it's a little unpleasant, um, you know, it, but it, I feel like it sort of fits in with a, a lot of stuff that I've been reading about this, you know, with all the like the Franklin scandal PTK stuff that we were looking at last year and um, books like The Catholic School um, by uh, what's his name? Albinati and talked about these things in Italy in the 70s, kind of similar sorts of stuff. Um you know, I, I don't like to read this sort of thing all the time, but it is pretty fascinating to me. And I think it like sheds light on how our society functions from a certain angle, you know, kind of like the mm -hmm. more interpersonal and like psychological ways that these like dynamics play out. So it's very well written. Uh, it was pretty short and pretty quick read. It was, I think it was less than 200 pages and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was also kind of like... I, in anticipation of reading The Man Without Qualities, which is like his massive unfinished novel. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of wanted to read this to sort of like, 
you know, just get a taste of Musil. I also bought a, um, a collection of essays that he wrote. So, like, The Man Without Qualities is very essayistic. He just has chapters that are pretty much just straight-up essays, uh, mm-hmm. speaking directly to you. So, um, yeah, he's a very interesting thinker. I really like the way he approaches things. He's um, he's a big critic of the idea of uh, the way that modernity sort of, like, boils down reality into, like, a binary of, like, there's just one answer, there's one explanation for things. He's always trying to maintain the multiplicity of possibilities and of meaning and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, ultimately he kind of fails to do this, uh, I think. I mean, I haven't read the book yet, but that's what people say about the man without qualities is that ultimately he doesn't, he, he can't finish the book uh, because World War II starts and Hitler takes over and there's all, all that kind of like throws everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's trying to like explain what's happening at the turn of the century, explain what happened with World War One and, and the aftermath. And then World War II starts and it's sort of like, it's like, well, okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend it. Just, you know, know what you're going and in, getting into. It's uh, it's not necessarily like super pleasant reading. Yeah. Is, it, is that like, not, yeah. Go ahead. What is that like? Like more upper class kind of thing? Is it, it like? Is it? Is it sort of? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah they're like, like upper class yeah, kids. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think he came from a fairly wealthy background. He, he I don't think like an actual aristocracy, but okay, like okay. military upper class. Sure. And that maybe maybe there's something here about like because my family on my American side is is a military family, not like like upper like they weren't officers or anything uh like maybe my dad would be classified as an officer uh, anyway yeah. i i feel like i understand the, the military family dynamics a little bit that he talks about like i can kind of like relate to that somewhat so mm-hmm. not the abuse stuff just the, <laughs> sure. just yeah, yeah. like the certain <laughs> obsessions with like discipline and honor and all this kind of stuff sure. that's kind of the background of it that's cool um yeah, another short book that I read was uh, The White Castle by Orhan Pamuk, the uh, mm-hmm. Turkish novelist. Yeah. I wanted to read this in Turkish and give it a shot. It was a little bit too difficult, so I just went ahead and sure. read the English translation. Yeah. Um, this mean, was okay. Sorry, just to interrupt. Like you, yeah. you, uh, I, I don't know if people know this, but you, you speak a bit of Turkish. Like you, you do, like we don't talk about that much, but like you, you've like taken years of courses in it and stuff, right? So... Yeah, I did like two or maybe three years. Yeah, whatever my college length, I did Turkish lessons throughout. And um, yeah, I try to keep up with it. You know, like I watch Turkish movies and stuff to, and I can usually understand a fair bit of it. Um, I used to be able to read a bit more. Like I think during when I was in university, I would have been able to read this. Like we were reading... Um, I remember they used to assign us articles from the magazine Radical, which is like a far left magazine. I think mm-hmm. the the TA sort of like was, you know, had some choice in that. Um, and we were supposed to like read it and, and write our responses to it and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I have that level of fluency, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um but this was just, it was a little too much. The thing sure. with like, if if you're reading a novel, like if you kind of get it, that's not always enough, you know? Um, and sure. sometimes you're you're not really getting as much out of it if you're like, well, I can understand half of what's being sure, said sure. here. Yeah. Like, you know? I, I find that too with French. Like I can, 
I can read uh, Wikipedia pages in French easily. Like, it's not like I could read them not as good as English, but like I can, like if I need to know something about a French political party or something like that, I can easily read mm-hmm. those. But if I tried to read a novel, I'd have no idea what was going on, basically. Like, not not really at all. Like, I just, it would make take me way too long and stuff. So, yeah, I get what you mean. Exactly, yeah. So. Yeah, it is something that I would like to be able to do. I, I would like to, like, improve my finish to the point where I could read more, maybe not necessarily, like, high literature or something, but just, like, just to increase my fluency there. Uh, Turkish would be nice, too. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, like, Arabic and Persian, all the kind of Islamic languages and sure. all that sort of stuff. But then German, too, because there's a lot of, I mean, Musil is one, but there's, like, a lot of... Um, German literature isn't just, it's just not as well translated into English oh, really? as, uh, as like French or, or other things. So that would be cool too. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's a lot. So I'm yeah. not really sure how, how far I'm going to get with all that. Sure. Anyways, let's get back um, to the. Yeah. So the, the white castle, um, this is also another short book and I thought it was just kind of, it seemed like a, maybe a fitting read for the, because of the history stuff that I've been doing, it sort of takes place during the 17th century, which is basically in the ballpark of what I've been talking about on those history episodes. And um, it concerns a Italian scholar who gets kidnapped by the Ottomans. Mm-hmm. And he is, he's sort of like taken in as like the Sultan, like as a personal prisoner of the Sultan's. And it turns out there's a Turkish scholar or at least someone in the court who uh, is like an identical twin. Like they perfectly resemble each other. And so Mm -hmm. what happens is that these two are, they kind of take a liking to each other over time. And they're, um, they kind of are like grouped together and like asked to work on things together. And what ends up happening is they sort of like lose track of their identities and stuff because you have this Italian who has this Western European knowledge and kind of cultural stuff going on. And then the, the Turkish man on the same, on the other side is sort of like the, you know, the, the reverse. He's got this Turkish and Islamic sort of background, but they start to realize like when they work on things like science or philosophy or whatever, that they come to the same conclusions. They, you know, so it, it's sort of like, um, you know, it's like a commentary on the cultural exchange that happened at, during the period and the way that uh, these people, if you want to view it this way, they transcended their sort of cultural milieu and um, came to a more like universal understanding, but in the process also lost a sense of like who they are. Mm-hmm. So it was okay. Um, it, it didn't hold my attention very well. I, I, Orhan Pamuk, I think, is uh, kind of an overrated novelist. Uh, this is the second book of his that I've read. I read Snow, which isn't supposed to be one of his best ones necessarily, but it was. Um, I read it when it was kind of like hot. It was like the thing to read because it was like talking about fundamentalism and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and it was just kind of a little shallow, to be honest. And and I kind of have the same criticism of this. It's a fun read but it's not uh, there's not a lot to sink your teeth into to be honest especially given like he sets up this whole you know it, it's like a very interesting premise and then it just doesn't go very far with it sure. so um i i felt like this would have been much better as a short story 
uh, maybe in the style of like Borges, where it like talks about it's like a like a fictionalized encyclopedic entry or something like and kind of like talks about this event in a in because the premise is more interesting than the actual story as it turns out okay okay so i think someone like borges does things where he thinks of a cool premise and then realizes well the book actually wouldn't be that like it's the premise that's interesting so if i just tell people oh well here's this book that was written and isn't that interesting then it kind of works so um yeah, so that's how I kind of felt about that. Sure. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I own this book, White Castle. It's, I think it oh, might yeah? be, it might be somewhere in my uh, weird big pile of books that I collected. Because I, I, yeah, I used to sort of, I mean, I still do, but like, if I can get a book cheap that looks interesting or something like that, like half price or something, I end up just piling on a lot of them. So it might be there. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll read it one day. We'll see. But yeah. Yeah, it, it it's a quick read. So yeah, if you're yeah. just wanting to read something like that, it sure. Shouldn't, I think I just read it in a few days or something. Sure. Let's see. I'll I'll try to go through this a little bit quickly here. I've been reading a ton of the nonfiction, a lot of history stuff. Um, I plan on doing a kind of like uh, maybe like an annotated bibliography for all the sources I've been using uh, for the history episode. So I won't go into much of that now, but. Um, one book I do want to mention, actually, is God's Unruly Friends mm-hmm. by Ahmet Karamustafa. Um, this book is it's just a hoot. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very scholarly and dry, but the stuff that it's presenting is very fun and interesting. So it's talking about the kind of culture of dervishes in the... Uh, I would say like 13th to 16th century, something like that, um, which it's the people that I talked about in the most recent history episode, if you've listened to that. Uh, and this goes into more depth than I go into there, but it just shows you like how wild some of these guys really were. And, um, you know, they they were like imitating animals, uh, going around naked, living just under the, you know, like without shelter, without any employment without any wealth of any kind they would just wear rags um they would have like bones in their hair and like teeth necklaces and like all kinds just like the craziest kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and it's it's just fun i don't know i find that kind of stuff really fun um it's also very interesting to me in terms of how similar a lot of thing maybe beliefs or practices are that they have compared to like nomadic people on the steppe and even some um, Zoroastrian groups. So there was like this group of Zoroastrians called the Kuramites, which they kind of did like a Takia thing for a long time where they went into hiding and they maintained their practices, but they weren't like public about it. Mm -hmm. And whenever groups tend to do that, the beliefs and stuff start to change. You know, they, they're kind of like isolated and it starts to kind of, uh, you know developed by its own logic you know without reference to a lot of other things so things have a tendency to get a little strange and you just see a lot of the same ideas and the same practices um prevalent with these dervishes as much as you do with those other groups so it's kind of a cool like hybrid thing that occurs there where it's like a combination of shamanism zoroastrianism and sufism of various sorts um to create these crazy people that think they're like 
birds and dogs and and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just really fun. You know, I don't know. Sure. I, I think it's fun to read about that stuff. That's cool. Um, okay. So I will just mention one more, which is the childhood of Jesus by JM Kotsia. Uh, so I've been on a big Kotsia spree this past year or so. I've read, I think most of his books at this point, maybe a little over half, something like that. Mm-hmm. And this is one of his most recent. He wrote this trilogy. It's like the childhood of Jesus, the, the education of Jesus or something, and then the death of Jesus. Um, it's not about Jesus. It's, it's about... <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird book. It's hard to explain what it's about exactly. I guess it's about a man and a boy who arrive at this island, and the boy had a letter that was tied around his neck that was supposed to be a kind of document that said who his parents were and he was trying to find his parents on this island but the letter got lost on the ship so this man decided that he needed to help this kid out and help find his mother when they get to the island Mm -hmm. so he does that but this island is strange so they they basically give him no they they say that they have a room for him but they don't give him the key they say somebody else has the key we don't have it yet da 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 so he has to like just make do this makeshift shelter for the both of them and he ends up getting work at the docks and he is just loading up or he's unloading ships uh like grain from ships he's just loading like taking big bags of grain off of these ships every day all day and um that seems to be the major source of of work uh, on the island. Like they don't really seem to do anything except accept these bags of grain and make bread and then they eat bread. And that's basically all that really happens there. Everybody on the island has over time lost all their memories of their previous life. So they're all living in this sort of historyless, almost cultureless zone on this island. Mm-hmm. And the boy starts to get into trouble because he likes to interpret things his own way. Like they get a, a book, like a child's version of Don Quixote from the library and he reads it. And so, you know, Don Quixote is about this guy who imagines windmills to be giants. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's got this sidekick Sancho who is telling him like, that's not a giant. That is a windmill you're imagining things you've you're, you've read too many novels about knights and, and that kind of stuff and now you're seeing it in reality the child who's who's reading these books agrees with don quixote he actually disagrees with sancho he says they are uh giants and everyone is trying to tell them tell don quixote that they're not and that they're windmills but they're wrong they're they are they are uh giants sure yeah and then he starts to disagree with his math teacher. So he kind of like creates his own way of doing math and arrives at answers like two plus two equals five kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that gets him into so much trouble that they want to send him to this like a disciplinary school, like a like a camp for kids that is surrounded by barbed wire and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, it's it's an interesting book. It's pretty funny at times because there is there's a it kind of felt a bit like a Samuel Beckett thing where there's uh in this in terms of like the absurdity of it and the the sense of humor that comes through where they 
have these philosophical discussions about like very basic reality that they nobody really has is like a reliable witness to reality mm-hmm. so they just sort of argue with each other about things that sort of make sense but no one can confirm anything um so anyway i enjoyed it it is i think if you like kotsia you'd like it if you don't then i guess you wouldn't i don't know kind of one of those things sure does it and, like uh, does it are you you're finished it now like it does it does it like reach some sort of like conclusion or something just strange the whole way kind of thing um no it, it, there's there's definitely like plot like it, it's a it's a really like tightly written book in terms of like things are always happening there's always something to kind of you know po- plot points that are moving you forward so yeah it does it does kind of arrive at a certain point um i don't want to spoil the ending or anything but, sure sure okay uh this is the first book of three i plan on reading the other two this also wasn't too long so I've just been reading like a lot of these shorter books because most of my attention, I guess, has been on like the history stuff. I've been really like, I think I've read something like 20 uh, books or at least used 20 books uh, for those episodes. So that, sure. that's been really taking up most of my attention as far as like books and stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one book I'm reading right now that I will certainly talk about when I finish it because I think it's a very good you can't win type of book. Uh, and that is the great weaver from Kashmir by Haldor Laxness. He is a Icelandic novelist or was, I think he's passed now. Um, and I think he won a Nobel prize as well. And this is his first novel. And, um, I'll just shortly, you know, describe it. Sure. It's about a, a poet who kind of memes himself into various, ideologies and stuff so first he's like one of these art will save the world art is the highest you know concern of humanity kind of guys and he's sort of like up in the clouds about that and then he slowly transitions into socialism and communism and being very excited about that and then he sort of drifts from there into other things so he goes through like a nihilist phase he goes through a catholic phase um, all kinds of different things so it's really quite fun because it's like oh this guy is just speed running politics like twitter politics in sure the 1950s as an mm-hmm. icelandic kind of guy so that's funny yeah so that's been good i'm almost done with that one and uh, maybe we'll talk about that at more length later sure um but yeah as far as books go uh that will sort of do it for january sure yeah so uh um i guess yeah i've been trying to I, I, like i I don't know for reading I keep uh trying to start like longer books and I'm not really I don't know I just I they I I think maybe I don't feel this on the surface but maybe they feel daunting or something like that you know like just uh, the longer mm-hmm. ones like uh Histo- I start like historical or theoretical yeah, type like, of stuff Yeah uh, I start there's a, there's a bunch of ones I have a bunch of different like tech ones and stuff like different like introduction to data science kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. and um like Linux and different like tech stuff. And I don't know, like just sitting down to read a textbook is kind of hard when, you know, you're feeling like a bit like vaguely sick or something like that, or like just different things. It's kind of like, Oh, I'm not going to read about like commands to enter into a terminal for an hour or something like that kind of thing, you know? So, (laughs) yeah, I did like, so what I did yesterday was uh, I started to read like a short book and it actually did work for some reason kind of thing. Like I read about half of a book by Joan Robinson about um economic philosophy um which is just basically like 
a very like a series of short articles about different different approaches to economics different like but from like a theoretical high level kind of thing and uh, so she was uh, she was like a socialist that took Keynesian ideas and kind of ran with them a bit and um, she was also like very very she was very very respected for most of her life and then at the end she kind of became like a fan of Maoism and and uh, oh, yeah. North Korea <laughs> and stuff and um, but she was like it's interesting because she was uh, I'm pretty sure that she, it's it's either Oxford or Cambridge one of them I think Cambridge um, she's a professor at and uh, or something like that and uh, she she's very much like English uh, like you know I'm not sure about like aristocracy but you know like that kind of like well educated a lot of her influences in the book are it's kind of interesting because she she kind of draws on like English traditions and stuff kind of thing. Like, like hmm. Karl Popper, she like takes some of his ideas and stuff. And, uh, who was, uh, influential. I think he, I think he actually founded the London school of economics. Maybe I'm not sure, but, um, uh, he was influential there. And, uh, it's funny because she's like independently coming to these conclusions, basically, even though her upbringing is very, uh, contrary to that kind of stuff basically right and she's very very incisive she can like she's she's not willing to like take ideas just because they're popular or anything like that kind of thing she just she can cut through the crap kind of a lot of the time and uh she kind of it's very very funny to me because it's it's she uh, there's tons and tons of writing about economics where like people are like i'm gonna debunk this for you or something like that kind of thing you know or people that just are like they think this is it. I don't know. I think that's like the same with any field with like theology or anything where it's like they think that like the simplest arguments against them somehow demolish an entire thing. And yeah. she actually does that well, I think. Like she actually shows why a lot of the basic assumptions of like different e- economists. Um, and she's doing it really at the beginning of this process kind of thing. Like she's she's writing like this book came out in 1962. And, uh, I think, and, uh, this is just when the textbooks and stuff that were very influential on making everything basically like a mathematical model and making it like a very specific type of model, which just assumes everything almost already about competition and the government not interfering a lot and stuff like that. So she, at, at the start, she just goes, Oh, I know what they're doing. I know their tricks basically kind of thing. And and uh, I think she's right about it, like most of it. Like she just, I don't know. So it's it's interesting to to see her kind of get into it with uh, some of the founding fathers kind of thing of uh, modern economics and stuff. So, and yeah, and and it's just it's it's uh it's interesting because she's she's kind of like quoting at length like Adam Smith and all these other people. Um, so it's kind of as I said, like it's it's drawing on like it's the sort of stuff that like English. Uh, economists would talk about like just the the snooty ones kind of thing you know like we talk <laughs> about if they were like diving into the history a bit kind of thing or like being you know like adding flourishes or something but she uses it basically to show how they would do stuff like build complex economic models uh on top of very very flimsy foundations and stuff so mm-hmm. and she's not like she's not like categorical all the time. Like it's, she's also like, well, maybe this is useful in this situation or whatever kind of thing. But like, uh, 
uh, I don't know. So I'm I'm only at basically her demolition of the old stuff kind of thing part or like the classical kind of stuff. I I have to get into now more her like discussing Keynes and his opinions on stuff and like you know some of the more modern takes on like development and stuff so um mm-hmm. but she died in like 83 or something like that she had a she had a quite a long life and stuff i remember that she was on milton friedman had like a pbs he had two of them actually but like series on like economics and like he, he tried to like create like this kind of chat show kind of atmosphere kind of thing and uh, <laughs> she was actually on it i think and stuff and like a lot of other uh you know, like Donald Rumsfeld was on it and stuff. And I don't know, kind of, it was kind of funny, weird show. But anyways, but uh, so she had like, that was, you know, she had uh, quite a long life uh, doing this kind of stuff. So I don't know, I'm, I want to read all of her books and stuff and read all the stuff around this and stuff. So I don't know. That's one of my goals, I think, for this year is to sort of get at a higher level on the economic stuff. Like, you know, kind of read through a lot of the basic stuff. I feel like I have enough at this point in my life where I'm like, I kind of know, like, I'm trying to think of like things that I can extend from what I already know, instead of like diving into whole new areas all the time and stuff, like, and, and try to like actually become more of an expert in certain areas and stuff. And I think I like economics and stuff related to that is where most of my coast coursework is in and stuff. So maybe that's the easiest to, you know, kind of extend and kind of build up again for towards like maybe getting a job eventually in that area and stuff. So, yeah. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in terms of like TV and, and, uh, media and stuff other than that, um, other than the books and stuff is, uh, I watched, uh, the rest of the series Wolf Hall, um, which we had talked a mm-hmm. little bit about a while ago, a, a kind of like a long while ago, I think maybe at this point. Um, but I finished the last like three and a half episodes or something like that. There's six, I think, or something like that. There's, there's, there's maybe, I'm not sure exactly, but like, uh, um, it's about six to eight hours or something like that. Six hours maybe. Um, and, uh, so Wolf Hall, uh, for people that don't know much about it or whatever is, uh, it's a series of books, like three books by, uh, Hilary Mantel, um, uh, which was turned into a, you know, relatively short mini series for that, you know, for, for how big the books are and stuff. Um, and it's centered on Thomas Cromwell and, uh, the English Reformation, who was like a, he was an, basically like an advisor to uh, King Henry VIII and stuff and got really deep into all the weeds with like, you know, trying to basically scheme, kind of like a scheming kind of guy kind of thing. And he was a banker <laughs> yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And uh, um, those bankers I, always up to no good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it was very clear once I got to like episode two or three and stuff that it was very clear that like what the motivation for writing the books was to some extent um, or at least like the angle kind of thing. Uh, so there's this uh, play in a movie, um, very famous movie. I think I think it might have won the Oscar or something like that. Like it won it won quite a bit for what it was kind of thing, which was uh um, called A Man for All Seasons. Have you seen that or no? Mm-mm. So it's about uh, Thomas More. And it basically in the movie, it's set up as like he's the ultimate man of principle. Like he's like, uh, you know, like this. Uh, I Like I was thinking of it as like an inverse Martin Luther or something. Like like in, in history, Thomas More, he, uh, 
he refuses to accept the fact that the king is now the supreme head of the church. He's like, no, that can't be true because it's the Pope. And he tries to sort of like keep himself out of trouble to some extent, but like, uh, you know, he tries to like work with the king on different things and like actually, you know, like he doesn't, he's not like, uh, outright publicly being like, you know, going on tirades against the king or something like that kind of thing. But, but like, uh, the issue is eventually kind of forced. They're kind of like, well, do you think he is the head of the church or whatever that basically, and, uh, in the movie, he basically is like, no, I can't accept that. I'm sorry. That is just not true. Kind of thing. Like, you know, defending the Pope in England and stuff. And, uh, they execute him, uh, because mm. of that. And, uh, so that was that movie and that kind of play was sort of like the inversion of the traditional English story of, uh, you know, this guy being an agent of Rome or any, you know, like, it's like, I think, you know, he was respected in terms of like some of his output, maybe like, you know, like, uh, some of his writings and stuff, but like, but like, uh, he, he was basically on the wrong side of history generally. So right. this movie and play, which was quite popular, uh, sort of sets him up as a hero of principle and stuff like that kind of thing. So in, in the movie, in the miniseries Wolf Hall, it, it like almost half of the, thing is basically like like a lot of the story is how much of a loser and idiot <laughs> thomas moore is kind of thing like it's it sort of like flips the whole thing again um and uh makes him look like just just cruel and scheming and an idiot uh and sort of makes it seem like his ideas are not really well thought out kind of in terms of like you know, he thinks of himself as this like brilliant theologian and stuff, obviously. And uh, it it's very clear in the in the movie. I mean, sorry, in the miniseries that it's like if he gave a bit of ground and was a bit m less of an idiot, he would uh, have survived and stuff. And um, and they don't like go they go pretty far with that. Like they go pretty far with like making it so that like uh, Thomas Cromwell like basically. It's it, there's a lot like there's sort of like there's actual courtroom kind of scenes kind of thing of like setting it all up as we're gonna get this guy kind of thing we're gonna trap him in his stupid ideas and kind of like make him uh, you know get executed and stuff so there's like a long long plot line of that kind of being like a main thing of like uh, him getting set up and not just that but also sort of like once that happens kind of thing obviously being part of his sort of like Thomas More's goal kind of thing, like that Thomas More is fine with being a martyr to some extent. Like he didn't think it would come to that maybe, but like he's sort of like okay with being a martyr because then he gets to like go to heaven and stuff kind of thing. He's like, oh, you know, you know, like that's, it's like suicide by prot kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, I can, I, I, I stuck by the Pope kind of thing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So I've, I know people that are Catholic and stuff that really don't like this series because it makes all the Catholics sure. look like total idiots. Like just like, yeah, you know, I can and, understand and, that. And, uh, um, and, it, and there's always like Protestant stuff sort of happening in the background mostly, but like there's like maybe it's more in the book and stuff, but like it's, you know, Thomas Cromwell is uh, personally um, Protestant and in like in his own 
beliefs kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so he kind of sets up things where he's, he's sort of like plotting to sort of get favor with the king and stuff to kind of protect some of his people and stuff like that a bit. So, and he's like supportive. He like accepts the fact that like, uh, you know, he, 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 it's, it's funny because he, he was, uh, I'm not sure what the rank is. I think it was like archbishop maybe or something or, or cardinal, I guess archbishop. Um, he was, uh, basically like working for this guy, you know, like the, the one that was eventually, uh, like sort of kicked out of his office and stuff like that by Henry VIII and stuff. So there is like mm-hmm. an arc as well of like him sort of getting back at people for, you know, attacking his archbishop kind of thing. Um, and, uh, so that's part of it, but it's also, it, it's not like, uh, basically like it's cynical about the Catholics and stuff, but it's also kind of cynical about the Protestants and cynical about like all the different, uh, machinations of like, you know, the royalty. Most of it is about like, um, you know, the different women of Henry the eighth and stuff and how there are different plots and stuff and how they all, uh, you know, it, like that basically, everyone fails eventually at their plotting and stuff, except for Henry VIII to some extent. But like even Henry VIII seems like a bit of a crazy idiot in time and stuff and like that. So, um, mm-hmm. so I thought that was interesting, but um, it's also like, just because it's cynical about Catholics and stuff, I don't think anyone comes off well. I don't think like everyone kind of seems like a schemer and they only believe things as far as they can kind of get away with them and, they might have these ideas that kind of like they get like different religious ideas or political ideas or whatever, or like alliances and stuff that inform what they do. Uh, but most of the time when they cling to those, they end up kind of failing or something like that. Like it's, you know, like Thomas More becomes basically kills himself to some extent by caring too much about the Pope or stuff like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's uh that's a big angle of it is kind of everyone seems it seems like this this mess of like just different intrigue and stuff like that. So sure, did um, that feel justified or earned by the the series, or did that it, feel like they were just sort of just throwing it on top of? You get you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that uh, I think it is justified because it is like just an extreme. It depends on like I think it depends on what you think that the point is kind of thing to some extent, because it's like, uh, like one way of looking at it is like, Oh, this is bad history times kind of thing. You know, like it's all, these are like when the monarchy was, you know, supreme to some extent. And like it, all these like family intrigues and stuff like that. And you can kind of go, well, it's good. We don't do it like that anymore. You know, to some extent you could say that you could be like, well, yeah, you know, we got rid of this Catholic, background and all of this uh medieval stuff that eventually evolved into something a bit better at least and stuff yeah you now also... nobody schemes in politics anymore <laughs> but so, yeah that's yeah. the other thing is that you could you could kind of say well then not much has changed and politics still works like this it's all scheming and stuff and and whenever someone has an idea it ends up kind of being their part of their comeuppance and stuff and um i don't know i i i feel like uh I think the best way to look at it, the the most ideal way is sort of like, I don't know. I, I think that you can kind of look at all of that and kind of accept it and then kind of take a step back and go, but it's also maybe how history progresses. 
you know, to some extent, maybe it's like mm-hmm. if you can also say like, I mean, if you're kind of sympathetic to the Protestant cause or something like that in this in this world, you could say like, well, it's it's all this intrigue and terrible stuff does has a weird way of working out to some extent uh, because you know, like the ideas and stuff like that and all the different intrigues uh, seem to point at least towards changes that are benefiting people like getting rid of the Pope's control of England and stuff like that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So the the other thing is that it's funny is that there's something that I, I, I notice a lot and it's there's like this prestige TV, mostly HBO, but like, uh, you know, all of them do it male anti-hero model where uh they sort of set up all of the bad like uh, so the like you know don draper is a probably one of the most ideal versions of this but tony soprano obviously was another one and then uh heisenberg or whatever from uh yeah um things where basically they they create situations where a whole bunch of potential bad can happen everything looks kind of in peril and basically the genius man who is a bit evil takes all of the stuff he's learned in the episode or whatever or like the the last little while including bits of information or like uh some moral from like a personal relationship failure or something like that and then invests it into the situation and this creates a stunning reversal that shocks his uh, or or elates or whatever, you know, like just has a big effect on either his opponents or like, you know, the person that he's trying to convince or something like that. And, uh, you know, like in, in Mad Men, like Don Draper will do something like where he, uh, you know, will have like some maybe some affair or something like that. And it goes wrong in a particular way. And then sometimes what happens in that failure is translated into an advertising idea. And then that advertising idea, you know, uh, is, is like, damn it, Don, you done it again kind of thing. Right. So, um, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, so this is funny. It's funny because this is about like, you know, the 1500s, whatever it works the same way in this. Like it's, it's, he has all these different experiences and he can, there's so many moments in in the miniseries, even though it's like only six hours long or something like that, right? Whatever, where he gets like a, it looks like everything is he is gonna, you know, he's gonna get screwed. Basically, he's gonna get executed or like something, some some problem is gonna come up, you know. And then he he has like a stunning reversal by, you know, some piece of information or something and stuff like that. And the 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 thing is about him being a survivor, like the whole show is about him basically coming up from pretty much nothing like his his dad is a blacksmith and stuff like that i think and like uh he ends up you know rising from almost nothing becoming a banker and becoming the most trusted person that the king knows and stuff like that so uh it's funny though because and i think i think this is true to some extent for don draper and and all these other guys too is that when we're watching this we also know that from history times that Thomas Cromwell was executed eventually. So mm-hmm. right. we know sort of who in this story is going to get killed kind of thing. It's like 
you know, it's it's a bit different from other ones where you just know someone is going to get killed or something like that. Like so the, the Sopranos, people get whacked all the time and stuff like that kind of thing. But like, uh, it's different is that we we sort of have in the back of our minds, okay, well, Thomas Cromwell gets killed eventually. You know, we know that the Queen gets killed eventually. We know that, uh, you know, all we know all different like Thomas and More. We know he gets executed and stuff. So we sort of have this in the back of our mind that it's gonna. We know it's gonna happen. So that's always looming. But I think it's interesting because it, it fits it well because we know that even though he's a survivor, there's no actual surviving that end, ends up happening kind of thing. Like it's you're sort of oh, yeah. meddling through life kind of thing. You're 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 getting all of your you're you're working through your kind of problems and stuff like that. But you know you're not going to survive. You're not going to get to you're not going to like come out on top basically. You you might you might survive for a while, but you're only uh, setting yourself up for the ultimate fall. And then, so that's beyond like, you know, the spoiler would be that at the very end of this, uh, this whole sequence, whatever, he has successfully gotten the queen executed for the king, basically kind of thing, like set her up, basically everything has gone perfectly well for him kind of thing. Like he's, he's done, he's, he's done everything that the king asked kind of thing. And so the king is, uh, you know, the last sequence is him walking into the king's kind of like quarters, whatever, be, being all like sort of like, hey, 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 I did it kind of thing, right? And then mm-hmm. he sees the king in the distance and the king opens his arms up wide and uh, is like... Suicide you know, bomb. Suicide <laughs> But basically he's like, he's like opening up his arms wide like, you did it for me, buddy, kind of thing, right? And uh-huh. uh, it slows down and the slowing down is obviously like, he, he has like a kind of like an oh shit moment kind of thing, right? Because he's he's realized at this moment when he's kind of walking towards the king and stuff, I just killed myself by doing all this basically, right? Like I hmm. every success that I had, uh, this guy that is willing to kill his queen is going to kill me someday basically kind of thing. Like that's the that's the sort of realization that you can kind of impute into his kind of like, you know, realizing that he's... Uh, He's walking down. He kind of goes, "Oh, it's it's sort of like the end of, or like a." Uh, I thought of it as like uh, in Goodfellas, where uh, Joe Pesci walks into the room and he sure. looks around and yeah. he gets shot, kind of thing. It's that kind yeah, of yeah. idea of like, uh, you know, I've done all of this for this guy, and it's going to be my downfall, kind of thing. So I thought that was really well done. It's it's good, and uh, the the acting is really great. It's it's uh that's that's what I really like about it. I mean, it's TV, so I feel like TV always has that sort of like thing where it's like it's always a bit cheesy like it's always a bit like uh over the top yeah. and kind of silly and stuff and this is sort of has the it has the like feeling of a play to some extent and uh um but i like it you know i don't know i think it worked out okay like i, I don't know i'm i'm excited to read the books eventually and uh, i really find this period interesting um because mm-hmm. it is that like uh you know, just total, like the the reasons why we have certain institutions in different places today, uh, that are so like, we just kind of accept as being normal. Like there's so many things that seem like, uh, we're frozen into history at this point in time because of different political settlements becoming like, you know, the political settlements exploded and then kind of came back together there's certain like institutions within the Anglican church and stuff that were like, it could have gone either way really radically. And, uh, 
it's not like it, it's not obvious to me why like it's kind of like it's it, it seems to be very political it seems to be very like you know like like uh, i mentioned it before but like you know when they closed all the monasteries and stuff like that it's like well uh you know that could have gone either way i don't know like that's that seems like a a totally contingent fact that like affects millions of people's lives and stuff like that. So I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting to I, me. I, I know what you mean. And that, I find that very interesting as well. Uh, um, Tabs has been reading the book for like kind of off on and off for yeah. a while. Yeah. And um, yeah, you kind of piqued my interest there. I might check that out. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like a big long series. I think like, I'm pretty sure that the book is like 400, 500 pages, the wolf hall, the first one, there's three of them. So, but uh, I'm not really sure what fills it out. I don't know. Like, they were able to do the story pretty well, I think, in, like, a six-hour miniseries. So, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Maybe it gets more into, like, the Protestant intrigue side of things or, like, all that kind of stuff. Because a lot of the other people, sure. obviously, are, like, leading theologians and stuff like that in it and stuff. So, yeah. Sometimes they combine like characters and plot lines and stuff. Sure, but yeah. w- given that it's historical, like maybe they wouldn't do that. I don't know. I guess I, know. I guess people do do that all the time with historical, like period pieces and such. Sure. Yeah. Um. All right. So I, for my part, also have like a TV show that I watched this month, um, or last month. Uh, Copenhagen Cowboy was out on Netflix, and it was like a mini series or something um like eight eight episode season or something like that mm-hmm. uh and it's by the uh i always forget his name but it's the guy that did drive and all those movies like oh yeah Reffin. Reffin or something yeah rain yeah. or something yeah Reffin, something like that. yeah however you say it i don't know mm-hmm. but uh yeah so that i thought that was pretty cool um it's it, it, it kind of like uh i mean you know his style right like he, he has a very particular sort of style and and everything that he tends to have and this is um like really turning that up i think as as far as it can go and it's it's cool like i, I think it works pretty well i i think the format actually suited the story and suited everything uh really well in a way that kind of made me think of these like mini seasons and mini series that you sometimes get on streaming. Sometimes they don't work well, right? Like sometimes it's very clear that this is just a movie that they're stretching out sure. or whatever. Yeah. This one seemed like it, like he knew what he was doing, but like by making it this length, like it would have been too compact and compressed as a um, movie, but it's good uh, that it also wasn't like a super long, like season after season after season. I mean, I guess they could do that, but uh, I I thought this worked as a standalone thing. Um, the pacing of it is really like slow and hypnotic and, um, that really works very well with the whole format. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you really just kind of, um, get immersed in the world that he creates, which is a very strange one. It's about the Serbian Albanian gangsters that run like a brothel or like have this like yeah, I guess I guess it's like a brothel basically that they run. Um and the they so there's like the head gangster guy and then his wife and the wife is into like witchy folk stuff, you know, like uh like they 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 basically invite the character who becomes like the main character who's like this witchy uh lady 
who you know can can bring good luck or whatever is is how they term it so uh she's always just sort of like silently and expressionless you know just staring at people and um and that kind of thing has like a intimidating aura or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just about her like misadventures with these people and yeah i i I enjoyed it quite a bit cool i don't want to like say Boy, too like, much about yeah. all the plot and all that kind of stuff but yeah i mean if if you like his movies uh this and all that kind of stuff like i think this is uh highly recommended i haven't actually seen drive yet or any of those i don't think so i should check them out but yeah i i feel like there's another director i always confuse him with but then i'm always not sure if i'm imagining that there's two directors or oh, not yeah. i don't know i i haven't like looked into that too much sure um but yeah i i can't even remember the other movies he did didn't he do like a batman movie or something did he do the the most recent batman one yeah Um, see this is what i mean i think i'm confusing it with another guy okay okay fair enough anyway whatever yeah yeah um yeah so i uh i watched uh the last of us i watched the first episode of that i guess oh yeah yeah and um okay I had tried the game and I got to like, I realize now in the game, like from the TV show, I realized that from the game, I must have turned it off after like five minutes or something. There's no way I played <laughs> more than five minutes. I still have it. I should, I should keep it. Like I should, you know, I should try uh, again and stuff. I think there's like a remastered version or something like that. I could probably upgrade for cheap or something. Yeah. So. And, and I know for sure they have that easy mode. Oh, they do. Like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. so how do you know that? just you know i've played i've played i I played through the whole game and oh really okay yeah and uh, i I remember seeing that setting there sure do you like it or how how do you like the game it was fine it was fine yeah it's it's good do you normally play zombie games and all that kind of stuff or no no not really um i was house sitting when i played this game so it was just sort of like something to do and it kept me occupied it was fine um it felt like a lot of type of games where you, it's a lot of stealth and kind of the fake open world where you, it's like, oh, it's how do I get around this barrier? Oh, I guess I need to use this plank of wood and jump on this thing. And oh, really? You know, it's okay. It's fine. Um, so is most of it set in like past, like in the future kind of thing? Is it or like in the? Uh, I guess like in the like is it? It is like. You know how there's like the the apocalypse kind of like moment kind of thing where like a, like the virus whatever or the fungus whatever spreads. Yeah. Is there like a step after? Like, do they just go directly from that into like uh, the sort of game world or some of like that, or is there like? I remember time it being pretty. I remember it being pretty linear, and maybe there's like a gap from the very beginning to like the first sort of. You know, like they do an intro sequence, which you don't really play much. You're just kind of like more watching it, yeah. Where you kind of see everyone panic and and try to yeah, escape yeah. a town or something like that. I thought maybe that, yeah. maybe there's a gap of time there, but I I remember it being fairly linear in terms of you just kind of progress. There, there is yeah. I think there is a gap. There is a gap in the in the TV show at least, and uh, um, I thought that it was just all like survivor kind of stuff, like for the moment. From the initial kind of oh. wave kind of thing. I, didn't, I wonder if you I didn't, didn't even finish that intro I sequence. I didn't finish it, I don't think. I think I got pretty... Yeah. And then... Uh, 
So I thought that it was just all that basically, and I was like, I don't want care about this. I don't know. I don't, like, <laughs> I don't want to like just uh, maybe I'll give it another shot, shot because I thought that like that was the whole game. It was just like mm-hmm. running around trying to survive in apocalypse, and I I don't care enough about zombie stuff. There's a lot of stuff that like I don't know now. It's not that I yeah. It's not that I have like a negative attitude towards it. I just it's just like I can focus on something else kind of thing. Or something. Like it's like I don't need to have that in my life. Kind of thing. And yeah. zombie stuff is big on the list for that for me. Like, it's like, I'll watch, like, the movies that are, like, the top movies about it or something like that and enjoy them maybe. But, like, I don't need, like, I don't know. It's, uh, it's not, I don't know. So, maybe I'll give it another shot. So, but the actual movie, I mean, the, the TV show they made of it, um, just, like, I don't know, it, like, this now that I'm sort of like into the actual show part of it kind of thing, it's like actually like what their plan is and stuff and all that. It's better because it's just basically like, it's just like a normal TV show that like happens to have some zombie stuff in it, I guess kind of thing. Like I don't, I don't care about the zombie stuff. I don't find it like interesting or that like, you know, the, the fighting and around that kind of stuff. It doesn't, yeah, there's no, it's incidental. Yeah. To the zombies. And yeah. Uh, so that seems fine. But like, it's weird because, they do a few things. Like one is that they have like an intro sequence for the show where uh, there's like a 1960s or something like that, like uh, TV show uh, kind of thing where it's like, uh, you know, like they're debating whether or not uh, there could be like pandemics in the future or something like that kind of thing. And then one of the guys is like, you know, funguses can actually take over people's brains and make them like, fight or something like that kind of you know it's very like on the nose and it's also like uh it's obviously inserted because they tested the show and people were probably like it's a fungus or something like that kind of thing like they were probably like making fun of that and like in the in the focus groups and stuff or at least like that was like the producer note or something they were like no no no, we got to make some sort of scene in this that i don't know if it's in the actual game i don't think so and uh um it's like we got to like insert an, a scene at the start that like makes people buy into the idea that it's a fungus doing it or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, I thought that's probably the, the laziest way to do it, but there was probably no other way. If, <laughs> if it was inserted after, they probably had to do that, you know what I mean? To like, uh, mm-hmm. to like actually put it into the show because they couldn't just rewrite the show around people talking to each other about how fungus works or something like that kind of thing. So they just threw that on. I thought that was kind of like a bad sign kind of thing to me that like, that's how it opens. And then they have like about the actual, I checked when you actually get to the point where like, there's like zombies and stuff going on kind of thing. Like there's actually like fighting and all that kind of stuff. And it's 20 minutes into the first episode, which again is kind of like, okay, like I don't need all this stuff. I don't know. Like, it just there's a lot of other stuff in it. Just kind of like trying to get people emotionally bought into it, kind of thing, you know. And uh, I think that's fine. But it's like, don't, don't, don't kid yourself a bit, kind of thing. You know, like it's kind of like you're you're a zombie show. I know you're spending a lot of money on this. That's the old, that's honestly the reason why I watched it was because they were like they spent like hundred million dollars or something like that or more on it, and it's just a TV really? show. Really? So they spent Eesh. like an enormous amount of money. Because they really want to make this uh, video game stuff work for HBO. Like, they really want, like, uh, crossover yeah. movies and stuff. And That makes sense, yeah. 
And uh, so they, they put like a huge amount of money into it. And I thought, well, if they did that, then it's got to be at least like competent in the basics, probably. Like it's it's like for HBO, I already trust HBO to some extent because they're pretty good. And then I thought, you know, with the money and like the attention and stuff like that, it's probably good. So the actual show from this point on is okay kind of thing. It's like, it's fine. I like that it's like a post-apocalyptic world and stuff where there's like an American military dictatorship and stuff like that. I don't know. I think that's cool. Um, it's sort of like neat to see them working jobs and like having like these little ration coupons and all that kind of stuff. I like that kind of stuff. But like seeing like the weird fungus stuff on people and stuff don't, I don't, whatever. It's not like, it, you know, and I don't buy into all that. So, 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 so. I'll see how it goes. I know that like the big controversy right now is that like not controversy, but kind of like a silly thing is that like the third episode has like a gay love story kind of thing. It's like a big thing. And they they were sort of like the way that they kind of framed it was I had to sort of trick people into watching a gay love story, which is I don't know <laughs> if that's the way that you want to frame that. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. that's I, I could really care less about all that, but it. It does sort of, I don't know if, if it bothers me is the right way to phrase it, but I understand why people hate the, hate this stuff and say, oh, they're shoving it down our throats and all like they kind of are like it, that yeah. is sort of, they do shoehorn it in there. It's always really awkward and like, oh, does this bother you? You find this threatening or what? It's just like, relax, like put your stupid gay stuff in the movie if you want it, if it makes sense, whatever. If you just put it in there and left it alone, no one would care. It's just like, uh, you know, people do a lot of stuff about like, oh, we want female heroes who aren't like, you know, ladylike. Like they can be heroic and blah, 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 too. Right. I mean, they've been doing that forever and they didn't make a big stink about it. And nobody really took it like, I don't know. I, I think the it's just the bad faith of like, oh, we're not trying to do anything. And then just being very overtly presenting yeah. in a certain way is to, I don't know. It's well, just like, drop the act. Who are you fooling here? For me, I, I think my angle on it is kind of like, well, it is so normal to me in my mind. Like it is so accepted in my mind that the fact that it's like somehow controversial uh, makes me think that maybe they don't think it's right. <laughs> or something like that kind of thing. Like, like it's, it's like, ah, you see, we're doing a gay love story. And it's like, yeah, okay that's that's fine like why is that right. controversial like why why are you making it into this big thing like why are you and i think yeah. that's that's true to some extent with the the female superhero kind of thing where it's like you seem a little bit too invested in this idea there's something going on there there's something i don't know although that's Which, just yeah you know fine if if you're really excited about that that's fine i don't have a problem with that it's just not very interesting like if that becomes the focus of of the the show or the movie it's just it's boring like i I, i'm this doesn't it's not challenging it's not interesting to just be like look this this is uh some gay people check it out we got gays we got gays over here like okay okay guys whatever (laughs) can we get back to the whatever the show is yeah i think that yeah and it's the funny thing is that it actually does work to some extent in terms of like i don't know I always think of like little Nas X, like that guy, like the, like yeah. he does, like he did like a demon kind of thing or something like the different, like some sort of, uh, 
some sort of music video where he was sort of like worshiping the devil or like, you know, enticing the devil. He was twerking the on the devil or yeah, something twerking. like that. So, yeah. so uh, you know, they did that. And it, it's like lowest level bottom basement trying to like trigger the conservatives kind of thing. Like it's just very, very silly. Now, it's it's almost so silly that it's like kind of funny that that, that would actually like that. It, you know, it, it's just very, very corny. Like it's very it's just it's just silly. But it also yeah. works kind of thing. Like you see all the conservatives like leaning into it and being like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're allowing people to watch this and stuff. Like they actually are acting as if. But I feel like didn't all this happen like 20 years ago? How are people still right, doing this? Exactly. Like, like how are how are we like still on this narrative kind of thing? Like Ellen, uh, Ellen's Kiss TV episode, I think was like mid 90s or something like mm-hmm. that. That was probably the last time, and it was still kind of like a stretch where, like, can you believe it? Gay people are on television kind of thing. I don't know. Like, that to me, that's what it seems like. Like, like how how is that still a narrative or something like that where it's like people are like, can you believe it? There's gay people on television. It's maybe that's true. And if it's true, it's pretty sad. It's pretty it's pretty like something's wrong there that like that that it's been that long and we can still have that as a major selling point for a tv series or something. well i i think like both political camps benefit from that you know like conservatives obviously benefit in the sense of you know it makes it's like, like a boogeyman for them right yeah and liberals or whatever you want to call it the 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 other side they kind of like, oh, we have to look how progressive we are. Like it, it's kind of like a, a way to puff themselves up as being like cutting edge and revolutionary and this and that and stuff when they're really just doing like stuff that's probably market tested very thoroughly. And it's like a very safe bet financially yeah. to do this. So they're just like, you know, this we just kind of keep playing this angle up. So both sides kind of pretend that this is some real thing when it's been kind of there's a reality that <laughs> precedes this going back 20 years or so sure but yeah. if we just kind of pretend that that you know it's still 1985 or whatever yeah uh then both people both camps kind of get to play their thing sure and i think there's also an element of people want their media to be like political propaganda for their sure. side yeah. They don't even care about like the – it's almost like secondary any any of the artistic kind of uh, virtues or elements of the of the thing. The main thing is that there's like an ideology or an ideological message that they agree with and is very clear and is, is going to – like they, they imagine it, I, I think. Uh, they imagine it being like conveyed to these masses of people and everyone being convinced by it because of the – you know, like that seems to be – an increasing priority for some audiences and i sure that's probably a small number of people compared to just people who just want to watch stuff but they're very vocal online and they are very like you know they they just have an ability to kind of like make make news make a like clicky things you know like people stuff that people are uh it gets people's attention and stuff so yeah Although yeah. that's annoying, though I hate that. I like that. Sure. That's really dumb, in my opinion. Although I do think it's also true that like the stuff we're talking about more is really 
targeted a lot of the time towards our sort of like range of like demographic kind of thing. Most TV, if you turn it on, most TV is like the Masked Singer, like or like, yeah, it's, it's like true. NCIS and uh, all those kind of shows. Like it's like it's like uh, so I get like I get if that's what you're think is most TV and what people are actually watching, then maybe like watching an HBO show does seem a bit subversive to you or something like that. But yeah, like, I mean, I have no interest in like people say that like succession is well done and stuff like that, or, you know, stuff like that. And I, I can't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I distrust it at some level. Those kind of like a lot of these shows that are like, Oh, did you know that like rich people, like I, I, I worry that that's what people are getting out of some of those things like are just that it's just like base level pandering kind of stuff. So I don't know. That's Although, that's exactly yeah. what it is, I think. And I think a lot of the chatter about that stuff is artificial. I think it's a lot of people in the same sort of circles as the people who made the show kind of promoting each other. And they yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, people, journalists sure. or whatever, like they all kind of. The, yeah, I, I don't know. Sure. I think you get anyway, what I'm saying. So, yeah, we could <laughs> we could go another half hour on that uh, ranting kind of stuff, but so uh, we'll maybe we'll wrap it up there for today. I think, and uh, if that's good, and um, yeah, sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah, I'm happy to get these uh, episodes out for the people. You know, we got to get our own <laughs> political propaganda out. There. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. I guess we'll see. Okay. Bye. Yep. See ya.